pray again briefly here, nice and loud, thanks. Wake up if you aren't. Lord, uh, honor yourself this morning and help us to see those things that are true that you mean to use to transform our lives and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis uh, tells a pretty well-known story about Noah and the flood. You know, if you know any of the Old Testament stories, that's probably one that you've heard of, maybe even as a kid, if you don't know any of the rest of the Bible, Noah and the flood, Noah and the ark. Uh, There's a story that follows right on the heel of that, the flood narrative, Uh, maybe not as well known, but it goes like this. Noah and his crew no sooner get off the boat, land's drying out, than he plants a vineyard. Grows some grapes, makes some wine, and drinks too much, gets drunk, and ends up lying naked in his tent. Kind of an embarrassing situation for him. And his youngest son, Ham, walks in and sees Noah, sees Dad there in this embarrassing array. And Ham goes out and he tells his other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, about Dad. Now, Shem and Japheth don't walk in as Ham had. They walk backwards. And they're carrying something over their shoulder. They walk backwards so they do not see their dad in this embarrassing situation. And they cover him up and they go back out. And somehow the story doesn't tell us how. No one knows what has happened when he's been laying there in his stupor. So when he comes out, he curses Canaan, the son of Ham, the son who had come in and seen him and gone and told his brothers. And he blesses Shem And Japheth. And if you read the account, it's somewhat shocking. It arrests you because you're like, what's at stake? What are we supposed to learn from this? And in that time, uh, Noah and his sons knew something that perhaps we tend to lose sight of today, which is this that Noah, as the father of the family, was due respect and esteem from his sons. And Ham did not esteem his father Noah. In fact, it says when Ham, in the, the Hebrew, when Ham went out and told it to his brothers, it has the thought of he broadcast it. He made it known. He should have done what his brothers did, which was to cover up Noah's embarrassment. That would have been esteem and respect and honor to his dad, but he didn't. And so he and his family became cursed. Shem and Japheth, because of their honor, they were blessed and honored in their own lives and in the lives of their children that followed. This all had to do with honor that was due to Noah, even in an embarrassing situation which he shouldn't have been in in the first place. Interesting story. That's the introduction to today's teaching. This is the fifth of the Ten Commandments, or the ten words we've typically said that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai to give to the nation of Israel You remember we said basically this is the introduction to the covenant that God made with the nation there at Sinai. So this is the fifth command. We've already been through the first four. By the way, the first four have to do with a vertical relationship with God. You know, it's about God and idolatry and God's name and God's day, the Sabbath we looked at last time. So now this is the first of the horizontal commands that affect the way we think and interact with those around us. And it's not without importance that the first of the commands having to do with horizontal relationships has to do with the way we think of and treat our parents. 
So Exodus 20, verse 12, if your Bible's open or if you have a study sheet, that's where we're at. That's where we'll start at least. Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord, that is Yahweh, your God gives you. You probably notice there's the command and there's the promise. The command is short. Honor your father and your mother. That's the direct command. And then the promise that follows that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Like the other commandments, you'll see this in Deuteronomy 5, Leviticus 19, and elsewhere. Uh, The term honor here is an important one. If we don't know what that means, uh, the verse loses its importance for us. What does that look like? So in the Hebrew, honor is kabad, and it means heavy or weighty or glorious. And it has this sense, um, your parents are so important and so significant by God's doing, by God's command, that we are called to show them respect and reverence and esteem because the position they have is so weighty, so significant, so important in God's eyes. This is an important term, the Hebrew term used here for honor God says in Exodus 14, 14 that Yahweh would be honored, exactly the same word, and it's used of Yahweh elsewhere also, but God would be honored or would be considered significant or weighty or worthy of respect when He destroyed the mightiest army on the earth when He destroyed the armies of Pharaoh and Egypt. Same word about God. That God would receive honor, significance, respect, esteem. So children were to view their parents as significant and worthy of obedience, honor, and respect. That's the thought. We tend to think of just obedience. Obedience is the tip of the iceberg on this. It encompasses much more than that, the the call to honor. So like Yahweh himself, parents were seen as those to whom respect was due by virtue of their status as parents, the source of their children's existence and life. And as we work through this this morning, uh, understand this. When God gives the ten words or ten commandments, He doesn't address adults in four and then go down to children, minors, little kids, and then back up to adults at six through ten. This is addressed to adults and children. So no matter what age we are as children, minors living at home or adults living on our own, This applies to us. If our parents are alive, this applies to us, kids or adults. So first, the Old Testament commands and the warnings. There's a promise on this one, which we'll get to later, but there's warnings about this one also. And have you noticed how seriously God thought of these ten words, these opening ones at least so far? Do you remember that there was a death penalty for refusal to obey each of the four opening commandments? And you see the same thing here with the failure to give honor to parents. Death penalty. If you look in Exodus 21, verse 17, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. This would be the opposite of showing them honor. A child is actually cursing their parent. That that said, God's words here in Exodus 21, be put to death. Uh, There's a story, uh, Deuteronomy 21. I'll just summarize this. Uh, The parents have this unruly son. And they try and they try and they try to work with him and he simply will not obey. They reprove him, they chastise him, it doesn't make any difference. The story in Deuteronomy is they take him, 
to the elders of the city. Now, he's not a five-year-old. He's a 15, 20, 25-year-old. And mom and dad tell the elders of the cities, we've worked with Junior. He rebuffs us every time. He's a glutton and a drunkard. He disrespects us in every way. He doesn't respect Yahweh. And it says there to take him outside the city and stone him to death for refusal to honor his parents. And last one I'll offer along this line is out of Proverbs 30, verse 17. It says, The eye that mocks father and scorns obedience to mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out. The young eagles will eat it. You know, if you were a Jew, this would be true most places at most times, but for a Jew, the thought that your body would be exposed to the elements, that you'd die young and your body would be exposed, this is a way to dishonor someone. So, you know, when Saul was killed, he's beheaded and his body is hung on the city wall. It's a way to show disrespect. And here in Proverbs, the thought was, if you refuse to show honor to your parents, if you mock your parents, there's this threat of an untimely death connected with shame, your body would just be like food left outside on the ground for the birds. An an ignoble end for refusal to honor parents. So children who don't honor their parents are dishonoring God who made the parents the authority over the children in the first place and they're refusing to embrace what God calls life. In other words, for the children to refuse to keep this commandment, they themselves were bringing a curse on themselves and their own life. This is what you see in the Old Testament. Let me stop for just a second. You know, we live in a world that's troubled. Troubles are going to come our way, aren't they? I mean, you don't have to be very old. And if if you have health and wealth, troubles are still going to come your way. So trouble is part of life on this earth for sure. But sometimes God sends particular troubles along because he wants to get our attention. You know, there's some issue in our life. And Hebrews 12 says God's a good parent. He's a faithful father, and so he disciplines or trains us. And sometimes that's in the negative way. That's chastisement. It's some painful element that's introduced to our life. God's getting our attention. And while all trouble is not God's chastisement, please hear me clearly on this, both directions. If God wants to get your attention, he has no problem doing so. And so if you find trouble in your life and you're not sure is this God or not, if it's God, you'll know. If you're asking that question, Lord, are you trying to get my attention? Is there some element of my life that's out of your will, out of line? This is sure one of those things to ask ourselves. Lord, am I, are you, is any of this coming about because I have failed to simply give honor, appropriate honor, to my parents? Depending on stage of life, parents alive or not, our status. Is this, Lord, is this tied, is this one of those things that maybe you're getting my attention because I've not honored my parents as you've called me to? Just a question to ask. So in the Old Testament, you see a very clear command. Honor, it's not just obedience, it's respect and esteem. The death penalty is connected with it to show us how important it was to God. If you move into the New Testament, uh, Jesus' example in this is for me just probably the strongest Uh, Not just example, but reason. The most compelling of the reasons as I think about that, Jesus' example and honor to his parents is, for me, carries a whole lot of weight. Very encouraging. So if you look in Luke 2.51, you probably remember the story. Jesus, when he's about 12 years old, he's been to Israel, been to Jerusalem at the temple for for one of the festivals. His parents go home. They think he's with them. He's not. Three days later, they find him in the temple. 
They kind of reprove him. You know, son, you, you caused us all this worry. He says, you know, I thought you knew I'd be in my dad's house. Sort of this intimation of his mission and his adulthood coming. But when Jesus goes back with them, the text says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he continued in subjection to them. So this is the picture for me, and this is the thing that's hard to get around. So God the Son is on the earth in the incarnation. And at this point, at 12 years old, he knows who he is. He knows who his real father is. And he's going to be about his father's business. And yet, the text says that he went home with mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, and he obeyed them. He submitted himself to them. He honored them. He kept the fifth commandment. Is this striking to you? So, here's deity, sinless, who comes into the world as the sin-bearer to die for Mary's sins and Joseph's sins. And yet he, the infinite, eternal God, is honoring Joseph and Mary, his fallen parents. So, you know, if I frame it in this way, If I'm a young child or an older child with parents, it's pretty hard for me to get around and say, God probably wants me to honor my parents too. If the Son of God, deity in flesh, honored his sinful parents, I probably can't come up with a reason good enough to say, I shouldn't keep this commandment too. I hope that's as compelling for you as it is for me. i tell you too, though, the most emotionally compelling Uh, argument or example i've got in the new testament for jesus honoring his earthly parents is in john 19 26 and 27 and you know in this text jesus is hanging on the cross bearing the sins of the world his father's wrath the gruesome agonizing pain these are his last breaths on the earth and as he looks down suspended from the cross he sees his mother mary And his disciple that he loves, the text says, John. And so he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. That's John next to her. And John, behold your mother. That's Mary. And the text says from that moment on, John took Mary into his household and and John took care of Jesus' mother, Mary. Jesus was the oldest son in the family. Joseph is gone. The Gospels don't tell us how or when. He simply disappears after the birth narratives. But Jesus knew he was responsible for his mother in his absence. And at this point, his siblings apparently are still not believing in him. And so he makes sure that Mary is not only provided for, but that she's in John's household, someone who already believed in him and was his devoted follower. So you see in Jesus' life, by example, from his earliest days, literally to his last breaths, He was keeping the fifth commandment. He was honoring his earthly parents. So he lived this out for sure. The other side of this for Jesus is he always honors his heavenly Father. You've got the study sheet. There's a few passages out of John there for references. In John 8, Jesus is having a conversation with the Jews and it's sort of this banter going back and forth and they're accusing him and he's making counterclaims of truth. And he says to them, I always honor my father. I always honor my father. Don't accuse me of wrongdoing. I'm always honoring my father. That's what I do 24-7. That's my life. That's what I do. 
If you look in John 5.19 and John 8.28, he says there, I always do the things I see my Father do. I always say the things I hear my Father say. You get the picture. Jesus says, my life is about checking in with my dad, and whatever I see him doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear him saying, that's what I say. My life, 24-7, is all about honoring my Father. Doing the things that please Him. Showing Him honor and respect. Recognizing His authority over my life. Jesus never outgrows His desire to honor His Father. Think about this for just a second. We're made in the image of God. We know that as individuals, we're made in the image of God, but families reflect the image of God also. And within the Trinity, the truth has always been that the Father has always delighted in His Son. And the Son has always honored the Father. Always. Apart from humanity, apart from the heavens and the earth, the members of the Trinity and their interaction with each other, that's what we see. So Jesus honors the Father in the Incarnation just as He had before. And when we as children show honor to our parents, we are reflecting a portion of the image of God. We are reflecting this loving relationship you see in the Trinity between the Father and the Son. The Father delights in the Son, just like parents should delight in their children. And the Son delights to honor His Father, just as we as children should work to honor our parents. So when we keep this command, we are in fact reflecting back something of the image of God He intended us to in creation as individuals and in the family. So that's part of what we should see in the family. You guys know from Ephesians 5 that the husband and the wife's relationship reflects Christ and the church. But children's honor to parents reflects the son's honor to the father also. It's another reflection of the life of God within the Trinity. So Jesus uh, lived it out with His earthly parents. He lived it out with His heavenly Father. And He also uh, taught that it should be uh, kept. You see this in Matthew 15, verses 3 through 9. Uh, The Pharisees were making excuses for why they did not need to keep the fifth command. This would be towards elderly parents. The Pharisees and the scribes, the Jewish leaders, they're all adults. And so for them, they basically come up with a new rule and they'd said, this is the thing. If we say that we're designating certain funds to God, then those funds are not available for our parents. And so our parents go in want, they have needs, and we come to them and we say, gosh, mom and dad, we'd love to help you, but the funds are already gone. They're dedicated to Yahweh, and so we can't help you out. And Jesus says you've broken the command of God for your own tradition. He chastises them for this. This was not a good thing. He shows the lie that's in their excuse. This is another thing. If we're coming up with reasons, with excuses for why we cannot keep this command and honor our parents, I think a little warning light should go off for us right away. The Pharisees were looking for reasons to say we don't need to honor our parents. And if you find yourself making excuses for why you don't need to honor your parents, slow down. The warning light should go off. What's going on? Now, I would say this. We will sometimes be limited in the ways we can honor our parents. Uh, For instance, if you were a young, uh, 
a young person whose parents weren't Christians, uh, didn't esteem the things God esteems, there might be ways in which you would, uh, you'd feel compromised in how you could carry this out. We might be limited in the ways we can honor our parents, but we should still have it as our goal to honor them in the ways we're able to. Might not be all the ways we'd like to, but there are some minimal ways at least that we can continue to honor our parents. If you move into the New Testament, the epistle areas, you see the same thing brought up by Paul twice. Once is in Ephesians 6. He says there, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. The word there, obey, means to listen so as to obey. And then he quotes Exodus 20, Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. This was the first Bible verse we had our girls memorize was Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. And you know, the reason is because apart from this foundation, what else can you teach your children? If you're the child's primary teacher or leader, if they don't honor and obey and respect you, what else can you teach them? We understood that this was the foundation of all the rest of the instruction and training we would give our kids rested on Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, which is the fifth commandment. Colossians 3.20 says basically the same thing. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. This pleases God when you obey, give honor to your father and your mother. Uh, We've said this is an obedience only... What does honor look like if we're putting uh, shoes to this, uh, feet on the ground? What does it look like to honor our parents? Let me speak to the kids first. Kids, the primary way, though there are other ways to honor your parents, the primary way that you honor your parents, you're living in their house, you're under their roof, you're their responsibility, the primary way is through obedience. If you're not obeying your parents, you're unlikely to be showing them honor in any other arena as well. So obedience, if you're a minor, is the primary way that you show honor to your parents. If you're not obeying them, you're probably not honoring them in other areas either. So, in fact, I don't know if you noticed the Colossians 3.20, obedient to your parents in all things. In all things. That's rather encompassing, isn't it? Kids, if you're going to find a way out of this, you're going to have to look long and hard, okay? Okay. I've got a couple examples here. If, if you say obey your parents in all things, there actually are a couple of caveats. The first two would be this. They're sort of two sides of the same coin. If your parents commanded you to do something God forbids, or if your parents forbid you to do something God commands, you not only can, but you should disobey. That sounds rather strong, but that's the bottom line, isn't it? Whether you're a a child under a parent's authority or you're a Christian under civil authority, these are the exceptions you see in the Scripture. You see this in Acts 4 and 5. When Jesus' followers are told, don't preach anymore in His name, the civil authority says, don't do this. They say we must obey God rather than man. You can imagine today, if you're a young Muslim in North Africa and you come to Christ and you tell your parents you're a Christian and you're going to get baptized, what do you think your parents tell you? You're not going to be a Christian. You're not going to get baptized. You're not going to read the Bible. And if you've come to Christ, what must you do? You must disobey your parents. If Christ is your Savior, you must disobey. 
Christ's commands take precedent over parents. If you're in this room today, the likelihood that your parents are going to command what God forbids or forbid what God commands is very, very low. So my suspicion is for anybody in this room today, these are going to be exceptions that you're just not going to see. But some children, some minors under their parents' household will. They will. Uh, The other thing, and I say this one carefully, is when you have reached a majority, when, when am I free not to obey my parents? Another thing is when I reach a majority, and that means when I'm an adult, legally an adult, and I'm not living under my parents' authority at home anymore. I am free to make decisions that might run contrary to my parents' expressions or wishes. Now, I say this carefully because if you look in Romans 1.30 and also in 2 Timothy 3.2, these are passages where Paul is listing out qualities of people who are ungodly and evil and wicked. And in these lists, he says those who are disobedient to parents. Now, clearly, he's addressing adults again. But there's still this call, even when we are adults ourselves, there's still a call to honor parents when and as we're able to. So if my parents ask me to do something, even as I'm an adult, I think I have a liberty that I didn't when I lived in their home under their care, under their direct authority, But I think I still have to have some deference where I say, I want to hear what mom and dad are saying, what they're asking. And if I can show them honor by granting them their wish in this arena, I will. I may not be able to. We may be at real disagreement about what can or should be done here. But I have to be open to that because of the verses Paul gives us in Romans 1 and in 2 Timothy 3. Okay? So... Honor goes beyond obedience. We're thinking the best of our parents. Kids, we're speaking well of our parents to friends. We're not speaking disrespectfully. Still talking to kids here primarily. Not speaking disrespectfully of our parents to others. Um, You remember in the temptation story in Genesis 3, Satan gets Eve to think that God's withholding something good from her from that tree. You know, he said, don't eat. And the temptation is, no, God's holding out. You really should have that. That's desirable, and God doesn't want you to have it. And kids, you are for sure going to be tempted to think that somehow your parents are misguided. They don't love you. They're not as smart as you are. They're not as smart as your friends. They really don't want what's best for you, and so you don't need to obey them. That temptation will be there, and it will be regular. And you'll hear it from your friends as well. That's the enemy speaking to you. Just assume the temptation's there. Eve, if Eve, by the way, had rejected that same temptation, we'd be in the perfection of Eden today. So, kids, it's important to recognize the temptation will come. My parents don't really love me. They're not really that smart. They're they're tuned out. They don't get it. They don't want what's best for me. That's a temptation to break God's command for you in order to curse you. You won't be blessed in that direction. You'll be cursed. When we refuse to honor those whom God has told us to, we are refusing to honor God Himself, and no good can come of that ever. Ever. There's very few, very narrow exceptions for when we're not called to obey and therefore honor our parents. Um, If you're adults 
We're adults, a lot of adults in here. We're called to continue to honor our parents. If they're alive on the earth today, we continue to honor them. That won't mean we always do what pleases them, for sure. It doesn't mean that we always uh, give them the things that we know they desire, but it should mean that we do what we can to honor them. That we continue to honor them in the avenues that are open for us. So here's just a few that I'm thinking of, the least of which would be this. As far as it depends on us, are we in a good relationship with our parents? You know, relationships are two-sided. We don't control two sides. We just control one. As far as it depends on us, do we have a healthy relationship with our parents? That'd be the starting point. Uh, Do we communicate, if we have children, do we communicate to our children that we honor our living parents and that they should honor our parents, their grandparents? Are we communicating that to our children, to that next generation? As our parents get a little older, are we willing to help them around the house so they can continue to live in their home as long as they can, as long as they can maintain some level of independence to do the lawn or pay the bills, help with the the groceries or the food, whatever? Are we willing to do that for our parents? And as our parents get a little older again, are we willing to entertain the notion that they might come and live with us? tall order, and sometimes not doable, sometimes not possible. But are we willing to honor them in those questions, in those arenas? Can I do that for my mom or my dad or both? Whether we're children still living at home or adults on our own or with our own family, whatever else, are we honoring our parents in the ways we're able to? That should be our default. We give honor as much as we can. Now, there's a promise you look in the second half of the Exodus 20 verse, there's a promise that your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. There's a similar thought. If you look up Proverbs 3 verses 1 and 2, very similar thought. A father trying to convince his son, listen to my words, this is to your benefit, says, my son, don't forget my teaching, let your heart keep my commandments. He's saying, listen And obey, listen to what I say and then do it for because length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So he says, Junior, if you listen and obey, if you'll honor me, it will bless you. Your life will be better for honoring me, for listening and obeying. It's the same thing in Ephesians 6.3. Paul there says, it will be well with you if you keep this commandment to honor your parents. Having said that, this is not an absolute promise. You could have been a faithful Jewish son or daughter and died early, but the general principle was you get blessing instead of cursing if you'll honor your parents. And you can imagine there's some practical ramifications from this. If I do what mom and dad say, I stay out of a lot of trouble probably. If I make the bent of my life to honor God by keeping His commands and honoring my parents, I probably avoid all kinds of things that might come up otherwise. And I also avoid the kind of chastisement that God might bring onto me or into my life to get my attention to say, hey, you need to revisit, you need to go back and do these things. So if I listen to my parents, if I honor them the way God's told me to, The original command and the New Testament both say, it will be well with me. It will be better with me. Apart from anything else, I'll have the peace 
in the relationship that's possible. As far as it depends on me, I'll have peace with God and I'll have peace with my parents. There may be other blessings also, but I'll at least have that. Now, though this command is given to children, uh, speaking to parents now, especially if you're still training your children, if they're still living at home, uh, mom and dad, a parent, who is responsible to teach your children to honor you? Who's responsible to teach your children to keep this commandment, to listen to you and to obey and to respect and esteem you? Who's responsible to teach this commandment to your children? Is it the church? Is it uh, TV? Is it MTV? Is it the music? Is it, uh, you know, is it school? You know, who's responsible to teach your children to honor you? And that would be you, right? That you are, mom and dad. It's your responsibility. It's no one else's. That may be affirmed by the church and should be. And other people may have some positive role model for your kids in this arena. But the responsibility for your children to honor you as parents rests solely, squarely on your shoulders as the parents. This is the parents' responsibility. You see the same thing in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. These are great memory verses, by the way. You know, where Moses is speaking and God is speaking through Moses to Israel and he said, these words that I'm commanding you today, they're to be on your heart. And then you're to teach them diligently to your sons. When should you do that? Well, you should do that when you're sitting at home. You're hanging around the house. And you should do that when you're walking in the way, when you're about business or school or play, or when you're lying down at night, last thing, or when you're getting up in the morning, first thing, God says, fathers, you're supposed to be giving your children the truth God gave you through Moses. Deuteronomy 6. You see the same thing in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And please, whatever you hear, I'm not an advocate ever of harsh parenting, of angry parenting, of parenting that's requiring too much of kids too soon. Paul warns here, don't provoke your children to anger. Parent appropriately to what they can do. Don't frustrate them, he says. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Dads, that's your responsibility. And moms, secondarily. So, if your children are not keeping this command, who do we need to look at first? Parents, mom and dad. Because this is the parents' responsibility to train. Al Mohler says this in his book, Words from the Fire. A Christian home is to be the first school, the first home church and the first government. The father and the mother are to be a schoolmaster in the home. It is our responsibility to make sure that our children are knowledgeable about the Word of God. It is to the shame of any Christian father or mother that the children of the home would be ignorant and immature in knowing the things of God. If our children are not instructed in the Scriptures and the truth and the things God considers important, that's straight at our feet. That's our responsibility. That's what we will be held accountable for. Also, remember this, that the command that children honor their parents allows for one generation to pass on the knowledge of God to another so that God's blessings in life and the message of life and liberty in Christ can continue into future generations. And again, this goes back to 
The reason this is the first command having to do with horizontal relationships is because it's the first one by necessity. If our children don't honor us, listen to us, and respect us to obey what we're sharing with them from God's Word, if that's not the bedrock, how can they learn anything else? How can we bless them if this isn't the foundation of all the subsequent relationships? How can we train them in other things if they're not even with us on the first page? If they're not honoring us, listening, and respecting. Let me wind down. There's a neg- very negative and a tragic story in 1 Samuel 2.29. Samuel was the, was the priest. He was the high priest. And he had two sons who were wicked and evil. The Scripture makes no bones about it. Hophni and Phinehas. And these guys, though the, the book of Leviticus told the priests, this is how you handle the sacrifices and the offerings, they didn't care. They were sleeping with the gals around the temple, the tabernacle that God had set up there in Israel. They were taking whatever they wanted from the offerings, and God was not pleased. And Eli, as their dad, he sort of does the tisk-tisk to them. You know, they don't listen to him. So God says to Eli, He said, uh, You kick at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and you honor your sons. You honor your sons. Your sons don't honor you. You honor your sons above me. You've made your sons more important than I am. He said, Because of this, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. They won't have honor. They won't be considered significant or worth respect or esteem. And of course, he loses his two sons in a battle. He dies when he hears the news. And God told him, I'm cutting off your line. You won't have a posterity in Israel because you honored your sons above me. A negative uh, example. Uh, Parents, since blessing is tied to your children's honoring and obeying you, What are you doing to your children if you don't teach and require honor? Now, hear this clearly, please. Parents, your children are still in your home. They're your responsibility. If you're not training them and requiring of your children now that they honor, obey, respect, and esteem you, what are you doing? Blessings tied to that. You're cursing your children, aren't you? Biblically. If you're not requiring that they obey this command, you're cursing them. And I can't tell you how many Christian parents have got this thing backwards. You see, we say to ourselves, love means I don't discipline my children. Love means I I understand where they're coming from, and so I don't make any requirements of them. And I don't uh, enforce discipline when I gave them a warning. I don't follow through with my word because I'm loving them. See, and God says, no, you're not loving your children. You're cursing them. You're not blessing them. You're cursing. He makes this a fine point in Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. So please don't make the mistake of a parent. You'll regret it in the future. It's a promise. You cannot say, I'm loving my children if I'm not requiring them to honor and obey me and keep this commandment. You're not loving them. You're not blessing them. You hate them, God says, and you're cursing them. And again, please don't make a mistake. This isn't about harsh parenting. This is about consistent parenting, parenting according to what God wants. 
And as our kids age, we want to give them more and more liberty and autonomy because our goal as parents is to raise fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And so that means the older they get, we don't, we don't narrow their, their responsibilities or their freedoms. We enlarge them. If you find in your parenting that you're having to put the brakes on and put the lid on your kids as you're trying to give them more responsibility, you probably haven't done your homework well enough on the front end of things. Because we need to be enlarging their responsibilities and freedoms as they age so that as they get out from our home, they're ready to go. They've made some decisions in the smaller things and they're ready to make bigger decisions in their own lives. Let me leave you with uh, what I consider a very positive example and from my own uh, growing up, I was really blessed to grow up in the family. I did. Uh, one of, uh, most of you know, one of 11 siblings and uh, raised by very devoted parents. They were very serious about what they believed and they required us to have that same mindset. Uh, discipline and honor towards parents was a given in my household growing up. And if you forgot that, you were reminded of it in short order. And there was no yeah, there was yes, mom, and there was yes, dad. There wasn't no mom, there was yes, mom, and there was yes, dad. You know, and I, as I grew up, I, you know, I'm a pretty good-sized guy, but my dad was my size. And I remember a day uh, um, feeling my oats right, gaining my independence. I'm 18 years old, not quite out of high school, and uh, my dad and I are having a disagreement. We happened to be in the entry hall of our house, and I'm telling my dad how it is, and, and he's explaining to me how I'm wrong. And he concluded by saying this. He says, son, when you think you're too big to obey the rules of the house, the door is right there. And the trouble was I knew he meant it. And so this was hard. I swallowed hard. It's humbling. Humbled myself, swallowed hard. Okay. You know, complied. Because I knew I couldn't go out and support myself. I'd wreck my life if I walked out the door at that moment. It was really difficult. Swallowed my pride. Okay, I got it. So probably within six months, I'm away at school for the first time. I'm at K-State. I'm away from home about three months. I kid you not. And I look back at the way I treated my parents, and I felt like the horses behind. Just a few months gave me objectivity, how disrespectful and presumptuous I'd been towards my parents, and how patient they'd been with me, how consistent they'd been with me. And I wrote them a letter of apology. Wow, I'm sorry. I realize I've seen things differently now. Uh, they held the line. And I was blessed because of that. And just as Jesus, thinking of the end of life too, one of the most pointed reminders for me that my dad modeled for us on honoring parents, when I was a little guy, on Sunday afternoons, my dad would take some of us to a building on 21st Street. I didn't know what the building was. I didn't know why we were going, but it became a pattern. And we would go into a building that had smelly halls, and we would go into a room with a little old woman lying in a bed with parchment, thin skin, brown and mottled and, and gray hair. And, and this woman, as every time I went, this woman never acknowledged we were there. And my dad would make us go up and kiss her and say hello. And you know, as a little kid, it's like, yucky. No, got to kiss her hello and got to kiss her goodbye. And my dad... Uh, this, this woman's name was Popo. And again, at the time, I didn't even know who this was, Popo. Well, Popo was my, grand, my great-grandmother. And when, my mom, uh, when dad was growing up, his mom died when he was nine years old. And his grandmother, Mrs. Porter, my older brother couldn't say that, and somehow Mrs. Porter became Popo, 
uh, Popo raised my dad and his brother. So Popo was my dad's second mother. And so she was lying in a bed, and my dad continued to honor in the way he was able to. She was, it was dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. But he went in, he visited her every week, he took us with him, and we later find out, well, you know, that's, that's my great-grandmother, that's the woman that raised my dad. Now, when our little daughters were growing up, they went into a facility with smelly halls to an old woman lying in a bed with white hair, hardly knew if we came in or if we went out, and her, all my girls knew was this was Granny Jimmy. And Granny Jimmy was Popo's daughter because my grandfather, Vincent Halpin, Sr., married Francis Porter first, had two children, she died, and then he married Grace Porter, Popo's other daughter. And so uh, Granny Jimmy was my step-grandmother. And my girls grew up going into a smelly facility, visiting an old woman in a bed who didn't know when we came in or when we went out, but my girls knew that's Granny Jimmy. And we honored her in the way we were able to which wasn't much. And then as my parents aged, you know, uh, family members helped out so they could stay in their house, and mom died, and dad's, you know, running around in a big old house and eventually can't. One of my sisters graciously and her family took him in till he died. But, you know, dad trained us how to honor him in his old age by the way he honored his stepmother and grandmother. And now I couldn't imagine treating my parents any other way. Both my parents are gone. Kathy's mom is gone. Bill is still here. We're going to celebrate a birthday, I think, this afternoon. Uh, but honoring, this should be emotionally compelling. You know, you've got these great examples. Jesus did it. Man, we should too. When we honor our parents, we get blessing. And as parents, if we don't compel our children to honor us, we're not loving them, we're cursing them. So honoring God, giving honor, giving esteem and respect to those who have stood in God's place in our lives, bringing us into this world and, Lord willing, training us up to love and honor God Himself is a God-honoring endeavor and one that will bring its own blessing. So we keep this and we get blessing. Folks, when we fail to keep this, no good can come from it. Father, would you help us to have your perspective on honor and glory towards you ultimately, and then, Lord, also secondarily but importantly to our parents, those who have brought us into this world. Lord, may we learn and may we be committed to honoring them in all the ways we're able. In Jesus' name, amen.